1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Well, last week, Houston did not have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over him, the matchup you wanted to watch, Kelsey wins it, and the Chiefs drive for an opening touchdown. He gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the second straight week. He catches a long ball. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? Running on the field as the runner fumbled short of the goal line. Recovered in the end zone by Kansas City for a touchback. The drive that began at the one-yard line has now reached the Chiefs 25, second and 10. To the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Deion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. Off to throw. Here comes pressure. Escapes. Fires over the middle, and it is incomplete. He got out of a sack but couldn't connect with Reynolds, and the 49ers get a big stop on D. Goff, pressure, in trouble. Throws on the run, incomplete. And the gamble on fourth down does not pay off. He's as good as it gets in the NFL at the tight end position. Kirby Joseph back in for the Detroit secondary, by the way. Here's Purdy. Pressure steps up, gonna run, has a little room. Purdy with a nice move, first down. Purdy's still going, staying on his feet. Down to the five, and it's first and goal for the Niners. Third down, four-man rush. Purdy in some trouble, escapes. Looking for the first down, he's got it and more. Brock Purdy with the legs inside the 30. Well, we sound like broken records. He has made some of his best plays today with his legs. Matherin on the drive, hung up in the air, no. Siakam on the follow, no. Loose ball, topping inside, yes! 133-131. Allen with the inbound, Booker's got it, slips and falls, raising up, gets the point. No foul. The Pacers tried to foul. As you said, Booker fell, allowed him to get a shot off, but Looked like it was a block. One streak ends at seven. Phoenix tonight, four of 14, where 11 of 33 for Orlando. Yeah, worst three-point shooting team in the league, but they have taken 19 more three-point attempts than have the Suns. Shot clock winding down. Jonathan Isaac steps in as he gets the defender to pass. Nobody boxes it out, Bancaro. Follows with a flush. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. 
Welcome to the Monday, January 29th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Chiefs, did you believe at some point this season that they were finished? The Ravens, what should they do this offseason? The Lions, should Dan Campbell be criticized for his fourth down decisions? The 49ers, should Brock Purdy no longer be called a game manager? The Suns, what was most frustrating about the losses of the Pacers and Magic? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments by the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 NFL Conference Championship Sunday Analysis. Uh, and also uh, around the NFL, Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk scheduled to join us. 10.30 Interactive Action at 602-260-1060, also today's bottom line. Actually, we're going to bypass the bottom line today and just dive into some local roundup basketball stuff from the weekend. Final segment, the uh, National Roundup, top by the latest line for the Super Bowl. Then after the Sports Zone, from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including... Some analysis, more analysis of the NFL Conference Championship Sunday. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, did you believe at any point this season that the Chiefs were finished? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. No leading the way at 71% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 29%. Okay, I'm counting on honesty when answering this question, folks. So we got to try to be honest about this. But as we all know now, the Chiefs are Super Bowl bound for the fourth time in five seasons after consecutive road victories at Buffalo and at Baltimore. The Ravens did not execute and lost their composure. Lamar Jackson missed open receivers. Todd Bunkin, whew, what was he thinking, or was he thinking, questionable play calling at best. And also the Ravens undisciplined on both sides of the ball. What should the Ravens do this offseason to get over the playoff hump? Meanwhile, today's a Twitter poll question, X poll question, to be more accurate, and we try to be accurate as much as often as, often as possible. Should Dan Campbell be criticized for his second uh, half, fourth down decisions during the Lions 34-31 loss to the 49ers? And Kayla, what do we have here on the results so far? Yes, 75% of the vote, no trailing at 25%. This is over on X at KDUS AM 1060. Once again, I'm counting on your honesty in voting here. Uh, Campbell bypassed uh, makeable field goals twice in the eventual 34-31 victory, or excuse me, 34-31 49ers victory. Let's put it that way. Meanwhile, Valley product Brock Purdy made plays, including four runs for first downs during the 17-point second-half rally. That was the second. Well, that was actually the largest rally ever in the second half in an NFC Championship game for a winning team. Is it time for Valley product Brock Brock Purdy to no longer be called a game manager? Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns have lost two straight. Following to the shorthanded Pacers on Friday night, 
and then badly outplayed in the fourth quarter by the Magic on Sunday night. Uh, what was most frustrating about the Suns' two losses since our last show? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show, which was all the way back to Friday, which seems like a really long time ago, <laughs> but not that long ago, but it really seems like it, or at least to me. Uh, that's the pipeline for today. We're going to these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by NFL Conference Championship Sunday analysis and around the NFL with Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. A little disappointed at the lack of phone calls last week. Maybe you all just needed to exhale after the division championship round. Uh, but uh, let's... Uh, Let's try to bump that up this week, 602-260-1060. Also, some, uh, we'll get to uh, you know, lots of local roundup or as much as, uh, as we can, depending on phone call volume. Uh, from the uh, weekend hoops, uh, we, uh, he, local weekend hoops, including the, uh, the Suns meltdown, some of the same problems we've seen almost every loss this season. ASU basketball and then the U of A surprised me and won at Oregon. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Kansas City fooled some of us. I'm raising my hand right now. Uh, while San Francisco dominated the second half, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports center by Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk. Josh, good to have you back, and let, let's start with the Chiefs. Was there any point this season that you thought the Chiefs are not going back to the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, there, there, there were definitely points in the middle of the season where it, it felt like it was going to be a – a really long shot for the, the Chiefs to get back there. Uh, I, I think that the, the way the Ravens were playing, the way the Bills came on at the end of the year, it, it felt like the, the, the idea of beating both of those teams on the road in the playoffs would be, would be a bit too much to ask. But I, I think really by, by the end of that opening playoff game against Miami, it, it felt like a very familiar Chiefs team. And, um, the, you know, the last two weeks have just been – more of the same and and i think you know ha have reached a new level with patrick mahomes where i i'm gonna find it very hard to pick anyone to beat him in a playoff game at, at any point in the future um with you on that uh you know other than mahomes what has been most impressive the last two weeks with the wins at buffalo and at baltimore 
I, you know, outside of Mahomes, I, I think it's been, you know, the same thing all, all, all season. It's, it's been this defense that's, that's kept them alive, and, and they've been so overshadowed over, over this run, I think, because of Mahomes and Kelsey and, and before he left, Tyreek Hill and, and those players that I, I think that, you know, it, it, it's been missed that you know, Chris Jones is a really special player and, and Steve Spagnolo is, not a guy who's ever going to come up for the head coaching jobs again after he, he was such a disaster with the Rams. But it, it's almost a benefit to the Chiefs that it went so poorly for him because he, he just gets to sit there and coach that defense, and, and Andy Reid coaches the offense. And it, it's it's an absolutely perfect marriage of, of philosophies and, and output and, and everything else. I, I think that, um, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, I, I would imagine this, this little two-week period, he's going to be—he's going to be one of the names that keeps coming up for the Chiefs because he—he he deserves this victory left. Specifically, their defense—it's been spectacular in the second half, really all season long. Why are they so dominant after halftime? I think they—they make—they make the right adjustments. They—if something isn't going right, they're not afraid to to do something different and. I think that's something that comes from Andy Reid. He's not someone who is married to his way of doing things. He's married to the way of doing things that, that gets the job done. And, and if that means going to, you know, going to a different look, you know, blitzing more, blitzing less. I, I think you saw it last night that, you know, that, that they didn't, weren't going to allow the Ravens to, to run the ball on them in the second half. And, you know, I, I think you could probably argue that the Ravens should have done more to try and, and force them out of that shell, but the the kind of blitzing they were doing, the kind of rushing that they were doing against the Ravens was, was so effective. And, you know, even when it broke down, you know, on that long pass to Zay Flowers that, that should have, you know, felt like it was going to start to swing the tide to the Ravens, they they stuck with it and, and – those guys came back and bounced back with a, another big play a few plays later. And so I, th- I think that's been the way it is. That's been all season is they get beaten, but they know it, it doesn't end the game. They, they have another chance. They have another shot. You, you, you always have another opportunity. And, and, you know, what better way to exemplify that than Marquez Valdez-Cantling making the biggest catch of the game for the team in, in the fourth quarter, yeah. given the season that he's had. The Ravens, uh, their performance or lack thereof, why did they fall short on both sides of the ball yesterday? Well, I, I you know, I, shutting out the Chiefs in the second half of the AFC Championship game, it, it's, it's a hard one to say that that, the, that was a failing on the defensive side. But it, in both mm-hmm. sides, I, I thought the penalties were killers, uh, five personal fouls, and, and then obviously three turnovers on offense. And, I think that one throw by Lamar Jackson the, the, that was intercepted in the end zone it was, was such an uncharacteristically poor play for him this season to try to force a ball into coverage like that. Three three Chiefs around Isaiah Likely in the end zone. I, I you know that's not the kind of play we've been accustomed to seeing from him. And and I think you know it it feels like the tight you know. The, the tightness of the game, the, the magnitude of the moment, and in that fourth quarter, um, opportunity after opportunity that that the Ravens squandered two two turnovers right by the end zone like that. It, it it's impossible to come up, you know, come back from those kinds of things. But I, I think sloppiness 
would I guess be the overarching headline for me, the, the penalties and the turnovers. Are there personnel decisions that the Ravens uh, should make this offseason or should they just try to run it back with this same group, basically? Oh, I, I would, I would, you know, you always want to add, I, I think they could, they, they could certainly use, uh, could have used a, a more impactful second receiver to go with, with Zay Flowers last night. Um, obviously getting Mark Andrews back to health takes care of some of that for them. Um, I, I think that they need to probably find a running back that, that, is more of a lead back and, and, and rather than continue with the mixing and matching with, with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And, and, you know, they, they brought in Dalvin cook late in the season. We, we saw Melvin Gordon, obviously JK Dobbins getting hurt, change their plans there, but that, that would be a spot where you, you would love to see, not that there's, they're growing Christian McCaffrey's on trees, but you, you would love to see a running back who could be utilized in a similar way by the Baltimore offense, and and see that kind what kind of impact someone like that could have uh, playing with Lamar Jackson and and you know branching out the 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 possibilities in the run game. I, I think those are the spots. Uh, and uh, you know, but defensively, I think you run it back. And, and you know, offensively, you just look to continue adding and and have another year in this system. It, it really did work well for them. So I I don't think there's too much reason to hit a panic button. Josh Alper, Pro Football Talk, currently in the sports zone. All right, the Lions blew the 17-point lead. They went from up 24-7 to down 34-24. Well, you know, where do you start when trying to you know, basically break down the breakdown of the Lions in the second half? Well, look, the, some of the, the issues they had defensively are, are issues that they've had throughout the season, and, and they were good enough offensively to overcome them. And it, it felt like that was going to be the case uh, for, you know, for a good bit of, of the second half. But I, I think that, you know, that the, the back-to-back failure on fourth down and then the fumble by Jameer Gibbs just felt like, the bottom completely fell out of the team at that point. And, uh, yeah, you know, in, in, until they, they got that late touchdown, um, there really wasn't much going on for them on either side of the ball. And, and you know, perhaps had gotten a little it, – it, it's, it's, it's funny to say it when they, you know, failed on a couple of fourth downs in, in 49ers territory, but it, it felt like they got a little bit hesitant um, even as they, you know, they remained outwardly aggressive. Uh, I, I didn't have a huge issue with the second fourth down call, but I, I, I found it odd that, that the Lions didn't go for the touchdown at the end of the first half and then yeah. opted not to kick the field goal on that, that first fourth down at the start of the fourth quarter. I, I thought that was a a strange bit of decision-making um, by Dan Campbell. I, I would have done the same thing either go for it every time or, or kick both field goals. And, and I think that, you know, some of the decision-making needs to go, go under the microscope there. I think you have to get a kicker that you trust more. If, if you're, if you're going to have a 46 yard field goal to go up 17 in the NFC championship game, I, I think you need to have a guy that you feel like is going to hit that. And, and I don't think they felt that way. So that that's certainly an area they could address. 
On the other side, Brock Purdy, game manager, quote-unquote, uh, with the impromptu scrambles and soft-schedule throws, does that game manager thing vanish now? Yeah, I, well, I, I don't think it, it vanishes entirely. I, I think it's something that, that gets used a bit more pejoratively than it really should be. Um, a, a lot of quarterbacks manage games and, and manage teams into the – into the playoff, you know, into, into great success. We've seen Patrick Mahomes manage games for the Chiefs in the playoffs over the, the course of this run. It, it, you have to do what it takes on a, on a weekly basis to win. And as, as much as the first halves of the last two playoff games felt like, well, Brock Purdy's not good enough to do this, the, the second half, I, I think you've seen both weeks that, that he's a guy who's instinctual and makes plays and, and understands what he's supposed to do at a given time. And that. You know, I, I think that however you want to label that is up to you, but it's the winning part that, that matters in the end. And I don't know that even a Super Bowl win will completely take that away. I think that it's it's been something that, that's, you know, been linked to Kyle Shanahan his entire time in the, the 49ers, and it's it's all framed through that prism. But, you know, you, you you have someone who designs the thing and someone has to execute it. And, and Purdy's execution has been pretty good all season. And I, I think that the idea of, of limiting him by calling him a manager is silly, but I, I don't feel that it's such a limiting term if you really look at what it means. Talking with Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. So it's San Francisco and Kansas City hype for the next two weeks. Uh, quite frankly, it's too early for me to clear my feeble brain to break down the X's and O's. So, Josh, let me ask you this. What are some storylines that you'll be paying most attention to between now and kickoff in the uh, second Sunday in February? Well, I, I think that, you, you know, you're just going to continue to look at, at, at what, what the 49ers – for me, have to do defensively after these last two weeks here. That you know you're going in into a game against Andy Reid, and you've shown some serious uh, vulnerabilities defensively. And the, these are things that the the Chiefs are going to be able to attack if given the opportunity. And and I think particularly uh, some things in the pass defense and and the run defense are are. <laughs> It covers both, but, you know, I think that the ability to stop Isaiah Pacheco and, and put as much pressure as he possibly can on this Chiefs receiving core is going to be a key for for the 49ers and, and trying to understand how they're going to do that and, and how they're going to avoid being picked apart again by, by even if it's just in the first half of the game, that you're now facing a team, unlike the Packers with, with Jordan Love in his first playoff game, unlike the Lions in their first playoff appearance in, in ages, this is a team that is used to this. This is a team that has come back and, and won games in, in in two Super Bowls. They beat you in a Super Bowl by coming back in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think that the 49ers defense, which, which looked so good for so much of the season, has not looked good for a while now. And, and I think that that's going to be the key for the game for the 49ers is figuring out a way to get that back on track. Last topic, uh, the coaching carousels down to two openings. Still no Belichick, Carroll, and Vrabel. Uh, are you surprised that that trio is still out there after six jobs have now been filled? Uh, I am surprised that, that Mike Vrabel 
is isn't I, I would have expected someone to see him as sort of where Bill Belichick was before he became the Patriots head coach and a guy with head coaching experience, defense, you know, obviously defensive coordinator experience, uh, who given the chance to do a job the second time would not perhaps make some of the mistakes like trading AJ Brown and, and, uh, not being more aggressive about getting a quarterback and, and doing some of the things differently the second time around with a, a very motivated front office, um, I'm surprised by that one. I, I was always surprised by the belief that Belichick was just going to waltz into another job, be it his age, his personality, his, his demeanor, his and but really his his lack of success for the last four seasons. What um, was the biggest reason for me? I, you can chalk it up to Bill Belichick not being a great GM all you want, but the idea that he was just going to walk in and, and be willing to to be a coach and, and not have the kind of control over an organization that he's had in the past was, I, I think, a silly one. And Pete Carroll, I think once the Chargers job got linked to Jim Harbaugh, there was no no real place that made sense in terms of, of Pete Carroll. So, I mean, I, I'm surprised that the Seahawks have not interviewed Belichick or Pete Carroll just because I think they're a team uh, – excuse me, not Pete Carroll, Belichick or Brable because they're a team that was in the playoffs last year and was close this year, and I don't think they see that as a big teardown rebuild. But when you have a general manager in place, it, it becomes a very different search. And, and so I, I think that they all are going to remain out of it for this year and, and be interesting candidates next year certainly in the case of Rabel, given some of the teams that look like they're going to be looking for coaches. So Seattle and Washington are the two jobs that are still open. Do those openings go to Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson one way or the other? Uh, if ben Johnson to the commanders is, is, the, is certainly the money choice right now. And, and I think that Seattle, yeah, you're looking at either Mike McDonald or Dan Quinn. Uh, I think that Mike McDonald, if you're going to look at their most recent you know, job, you know, their most recent uh, work, McDonald is way ahead of Quinn. Um, but Quinn has a history there and, and uh, has a history with the GM, John Schneider. And, and I think that, you know, that is going to be something of, of meaning as the Seahawks come to make their choice. Josh, this has been great at all. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks much. All right. Have a good one. You too. Josh Alper, Pro Football Talk, excellent stuff, as always, as I mentioned from Josh there. Next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060, whether it be the NFL or other sports topics that are pertinent on this show, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some uh, local roundup in the next segment, time pending. Sun's a disastrous weekend. ASU, a really more than, you know, what's worse than disastrous? Uh, pathetic. Uh, two games on the Oregon Trail. And then the U of A, to me, a surprising victory over Oregon on Saturday. We'll get to as much of that as we can in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7.
HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602 260 1060. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a couple of seconds. First up, let me dive into the Suns for a little bit here. Uh, I'll get to, I'll do about a couple things first, and then we'll you know we'll take at least one call, and then we'll get back to more of the Suns later. First up, the uh, championship parade talk of last week I think has been delayed somewhat. Uh, many of the Suns' season-long problems uh, cropped up again. Uh, in the 133 to 131 loss against the shorthanded Pacers. That was on Friday night. And then just an embarrassing performance last night, especially in the fourth quarter. 113 to 98, the loss at Orlando. Uh, basically, many of the failures that they've had in most losses this season return in these two losses. Bad defense, uh, got destroyed in points in the paint got destroyed on the boards, three-point differential was atrocious, and their bench is just bad. Uh, I think we knew a lot of those things all year long. And uh, you know those have been glaring issues all year. As I mentioned, I'll get a little more detail on these things in a couple of minutes. First up, let's get to the phone lines, and let's go to Tony in Orange County, California. Hi, Tony. Hello, good morning. I just want to compliment you and then we'll make one comment about the Chiefs game. I'm here in Orange County, and I got to tell you, you're one of the few sports announcers left that talk about sports, and they don't talk about their personal lives. They don't try to talk about drama and politics and um, Taylor Swift because over here they'll talk about <laughs> their personal lives and non-sports topics for a whole hour or 50 minutes, and then give you 10 minutes of sports. So. I want you to keep up the good work, and unfortunately, I can't get you on my radio in the car, but I can listen to you at home. And then the last point I, is, and I'll get off. The I, I appreciate time out here. Um, you know, I, I appreciate all that very much, and yeah, that's uh, kind of what I strive for here because nobody cares about my personal life, of which I really don't have much of one at this stage of my life at sixty-six. Uh, but yeah, and I don't really know much about the other things you mentioned. So here we are. That's what we do. Yeah, keep, keep up the good work. And then the last point is uh, all my friends voted or betted against the Chiefs. And I think what this weekend show, like one guy said, he's not going to bet against the Chiefs until Patrick Mahomes retires. And I'll, I'll get off. So <laughs> keep up the good work. Take care. Thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words and uh, the uh, longtime support. All right. Uh, as far as I did not bet on the, I mentioned like last Monday, I wasn't going to be betting on either of these games over the weekend unless it was the over in the San Francisco game. And I mentioned uh, the parameters I needed for that on Friday. And, you know, Debo was not even on the injury report as it turned out on Friday afternoon after we, you know, left the airwaves. And the weather was great. So I was on that game, but that's the only game I bet on yesterday. Uh, I did not pick – I picked the Ravens to win the game, however, and I should know better. I mean, uh, you know, about, at halftime – at halftime of the Detroit game yesterday after they had the, you know, 17-point lead, 
I felt like, you know, the biggest idiot in the world uh, from just, you know, basically, yeah, I went, I went with Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Duh. That was pretty stupid. And then, you know, I took the 49ers to win the game, at least on the, for the purposes of the show here. Uh, and you know, I thought the game had a pretty good chance to go over even at halftime, but, you know, I just didn't feel too smart. So thank God. Uh, they played the second half of that game, and we'll get into that more in, in significant detail during the extra point in the next two hours with Kayla. So uh, that's kind of the way that uh, yesterday uh, it was an emotional. It wasn't a really a roller coaster because it was just kind of a small little roller coaster. Just kind of went down from where I was, and then went back up at the end. Uh, but uh, you know, that's just kind of the way it was. All right, let me get back to the Suns. They are the worst fourth-quarter team in the league. Statistically, just check it out. Metrically, non-metrically, they are the worst. And this has been the case all year long. You know, on Friday night, they led 114-105 to entering the fourth quarter. They got outscored in the last 12 minutes, 28-17. Sunday night, they entered the fourth quarter leading 85-84, they got outscored in the fourth quarter, 31 to 13. They got outscored 59 to 30 during the fourth quarter in those two losses. The Suns don't rebound and can't protect the rim. Things that we've been saying for weeks. On Friday, the Suns were outscored. 50, uh, this is almost impossible. I know it's the Pacers and they just run up and down the floor, but the Suns allowed 84 points in the paint. 84. In one game, 84-58. to 58. They got outscored, the Suns did on Friday night, 23-14 to 14 on second chance points. On Sunday, the Suns were outscored 50-40 to 40 in the paint, outscored 24 to, 22, excuse me, 22-4 in second chance points. That's two losses. They got outscored 114-72 to 72 in the paint and 75-18 to 18 in second chance points. Then there are the turnovers. Friday night, the Suns lost the turnover battle 20-12. to They're fortunate uh, the uh, points off turnovers was just 25-24. On Sunday, the Suns lost the turnover battle 22-7, to and the points uh, off turnover tally was 21-8 in that game. That's 41-20 to on turnovers in, uh, tw- in turnover ratio in two games. And out the points off turnovers in the two games, 45 to 32. There have been uh, these have been issues in the majority of the Suns' losses this season. There is no big three that can overcome these roster deficiencies they have. How might they fix the issues? The bad news is with this poorly constructed team, which I've been saying since July, this roster cannot overcome these things. The bottom line, 46 games into the regular season, I think is plenty of evidence that, you know, know, basically what we've seen so far, they're not lies. Up next, the Suns play tonight in Miami. Miami is now 24-22 after six consecutive losses entering tonight's game. Meanwhile, the issue basketball team lost on the Oregon Trail, swept by Oregon and Oregon State. Two embarrassing losses for them. Get into more of this uh, in the uh, in some detail during the extra point with Kayla. Likewise, the U of A, 
To me, a big surprising victory at Oregon. I predicted on Friday that they would lose that game. One of their best performances of the season. And they completely dominated that game from start to finish with one little exception during the first half when Oregon made a brief run, but that was a phony brief run. And the U of A won 87-78 on the road at Oregon. Once again, we'll get into more about this in the next segment. So... Pac-12 standings at this point. Uh, Arizona and Oregon are tied at 6-3, and three, but obviously Arizona has the tiebreaker there. Uh, Washington State, which uh, has a talented team. I don't know what they're doing about half the time that they're out there. Quite frankly, they seem to be confused. Uh, but they've got talent. There's no doubt about that. They're 6-4. and four. ASU, which at one point was 4-0 and zero in conference play, has now lost four of its last five games. They dropped to five and four. Stanford, who plays ASU on Thursday night, also five and four at this point. Utah, which gave up 97 points and trailed by 40, 40 at one point against Washington on Saturday night. Yeah, Utah falls to uh, five and five on the season, and then it's just the really dregs and bad teams from there on out. UCLA, California are tied at four and five. Washington is four and six, even after their win over Oregon on Saturday night. They're still just four and six. Oregon State, which won the last two games this last weekend, Thursday and Saturday being the weekend against the Arizona schools. Oregon State's now three and six in conference play. And USC, which has just run out of players, quite frankly. Healthy players are their best players. Three of their best players have uh, either not played or you know, been limited. In the last two or three weeks, they're now down to two and seven in conference play. And actually, USC might have more NBA players on its roster. Some of them aren't playing, obviously, than any team in the conference. And they're two and seven in conference play and now eight and 12 overall. Coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular radio program. That'll uh, be highlighted by the National Roundup. We'll start that with the Super Bowl line for uh, a couple of weeks from now in Las Vegas. I don't even know what Super Bowl this is. I've lost track. I'll figure that out. I guarantee you at some point before now and uh, in two Sundays from now, I'll know which Super Bowl it is. Anyway, we'll get to some of that. The Super Bowl, uh, at least the line, we'll get to that. And uh, the combination of rip from the headlines from the wire. Some college basketball scoreboard stuff from yesterday, too. All that, at least some of it, at least in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kesselux HD2 100.7. The latest line for the Super Bowl, and there's been significant changes here, line and total, uh, the uh, point spread and total. 
Uh, let's start with the opening numbers. Uh, the 49ers open two and a half. And quite frankly, I'm having a tough time to figure out where these guys, these lines actually open these days uh, between uh, you know, DraftKings and you know some of the places in Las Vegas and some of the offshore places. But I'm going with two and a half as the opening number and the uh, opening total opening, uh, you, know, open, you know, I think opening at 45. As far as the most latest line I just saw a few minutes ago, uh, the 49ers uh, consensus seemed to be a one-and-a-half-point favorite, down from two-and-a-half. Total has gone from 45 to 47-and-a-half. All right, a little college basketball from yesterday. UConn looked like the nation's top team yesterday. Donovan Klingen, 18 points. Uh, as UConn extended its winning streak to eight, they destroyed Xavier and Sean Miller yesterday. 99 to 56 and actually they could have scored more but they actually just basically took shot clock violations in their last two possessions of the game and did not score 100 much to the disgust of some of their fans uh Klingon was one of 10 huskies that hit at least one three-pointer yesterday uh, he also had eight rebounds and two block shots that's his third game back from the back injury uh, as far as UConn, also they're now 18 and two overall, eight and one in Big East play. They've not lost at home in more than a calendar year. Their margin of victory was the largest in a Big East game since uh, beating Cincinnati, six, uh, 96 to 51. That was in 2008. They led at halftime, 48 to 22. They're good. Meanwhile. Purdue won at Rutgers, and this is news because they have had problems against Rutgers, especially at Rutgers. Zach Eady, who's obviously the college football, college football, college basketball player of the year, and was last year. He's going to win it again. Uh, he had 26 points and 12 rebounds. Purdue wins 68-60, the final score of that game yesterday. Uh, he scored his 2,000th career point and became the sixth player in Big Ten Conference history to have 2,000 uh, points and grab uh, 10, at least 1,000 rebounds. That's pretty impressive in itself, needless to say. Also, if you do those things, you got to stay for a few years. Uh, Purdue's now 19-2 and overall, 8-2 and in conference play. They had lost three straight games at Rutgers. Uh, over the last, you know, they had they lost a couple of buzzer beaters the last couple of years, but uh, they went on the road yesterday and won at Rutgers. In fact, they would actually have been that's just their third win in their last eight meetings against Rutgers, no matter where they played them. Uh, Rutgers is uh, not good this year, ten and nine overall, two and six in conference play. Plus, they're really hard to watch because <laughs> they don't make many shots. Uh, but uh, Purdue had a 14-point lead early in the second half. That got cut to two, uh, but then they end up uh, stretching it out towards the end of the game. Purdue plays Northwestern on Wednesday. Northwestern defeated Purdue and Evanston earlier this season. All right, quickly, some rip from the headlines and from the wire, kind of a combination thereof. Uh, the Seahawks reportedly want their next coach to be Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, but Monday, with some free time on his hands now, Mr. McDonald is scheduled to meet with the Commanders, who also have the other NFL head coaching opening. The Panthers, uh, let's put it this way, there are many that are laughing about the Panthers signing Dave Canellas to a six-year contract. They're not laughing at Canellas. They're just laughing that the Panthers, who are not exactly a model of stability, 
uh, from their ownership with, da- uh, with David Tepper on down would sign anybody to any job to a six-year contract. So good for Canellas, good for a great job by his agent. Uh, we'll see how long this lasts. Meanwhile, the Bills on uh, Sunday officially named Joe Brady as their full-time offensive coordinator. They eliminated the interim tag. The Eagles have decided on Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore as their coordinators. Apparently, the Eagles not paying attention when Moore was the coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Meanwhile, former Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz was not activated by the Lions on Sunday against the uh, before the game against the 49ers. Ertz, who's been a free agent since Halloween after he was waived by the Cardinals, apparently was not physically ready to play in the game yesterday, which is understandable because he's been inactive since Halloween. Meanwhile, from the NBA, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver finalizing an extension uh, that's expected to take him through the end of the decade, according to ESPN. Meanwhile, Knicks forward Julius, Julius Randle out indefinitely. It's being called a dislocated right shoulder. X-rays were negative, but uh, you know, the last I saw, he was headed for an MRI. I'm not sure if that actually happened yet today or there's any results on that. And then one note from uh, the, let's go with the Major League Baseball, the Red Sox. They've done very little in free agency. Uh, apparently, they're bypassing much of the disgust of the Boston media and the Boston fan base. They're passing on still free agent pitchers, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Stay tuned. In the next two hours, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll be topped by analysis from NFL Conference Championship Sunday. And we'll certainly get to more phone calls if you'd like, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.